each and every one of us. And Lord, let us continue to run the race and run it well and never, oh Lord, cease until we have crossed the finish line. Lord, we ask the Father that as we pray for our nation, we pray for ourselves, we pray that, Father, that we would see the goal that is set before us and we would strive towards it for the glory of God and, Father, for the best of our nation. Lord, we ask these things in Christ's name and we pray these things. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. You know, in reading and preparing, I read a little story this morning, or the other day, and, and I thought, I'm going to share this with you. It was cute. It, it, it came out of a Christian reader, and it said, My five-year-old grandnephew was obviously worried as he looked down the long aisle of the church where his aunt was to be married the following day. His grandmother had an idea. She said, I think I'll give a prize to the person who does the best job tomorrow, she told him. We were all holding our breath the next day, but when it was time for the ring bearer to perform, he performed without a hitch. When his grandmother told him that he had won the prize, he was both excited and relieved. And this is what he said. I was pretty sure I had it, he admitted, until Aunt Dana came in wearing that white dress and the horns began to blow. Then I started thinking, she might win this thing. <laughs> I just thought that was great. I wonder who do we think is going to win the race? Who do we think is going to win this thing? I don't know about you, but the my Bible promises me that when it's all said and done, when I cross the finish line, I am a winner. Amen. How about you? I hope that you understand that when we cross the finish line, it's not just to say. And we're going to enter into that place of glory, that place called heaven. And we're going to know that we have won the race. As Christians, we're pressing towards a prize. The Apostle Paul often compared the Christian life in different types of athletic events. And our passage this morning in Philippians, Paul compares the Christian life as running a race. How many of us have ever run a race? How many of us have ever run a race? Raise your hand. How many of us? Kids, if you never run a race, of course you would run a race. Yes, we all run a race. Uh, who started on the starting line and said, okay, I can beat my brother, I can beat my sister, I can do it. I'm not talking about some big national race, I'm talking about a family fun race. We want to see who's the fastest, who's got those best legs under us. We all run some kind of race. The Christian life is like running a race. But it's not like the race that we oftentimes think. We often type think the Christian life is running a 100-yard dash or it's running just down to the end of the street and back. The Christian life is like running a marathon. It is something that we have to recognize that it's not something that we just get through in a hurry, but it's something that takes the rest of our life. Running a race means that you're in it for the long haul. From the start to the finish, you lay aside all the distractions, and you uh, put yourself in the race and you look at the end and you put your eyes upon the prize and you run as if you're going to win the prize. You never look back. You don't turn around. And most importantly, you don't quit. The Bible compares the Christian life to a race just like this. Now, there are different types of races. The Christian life is oftentimes compared to that of a marathon. 
It will never be just a simple 100-yard dash. It most definitely is not a walk in the park. It is a daily challenge which requires our daily focus, our effort, perseverance to overcome the obstacles that are set in our way. My friends, you are on a long-distance run, and it requires strong forward vision. Focus on the prize that is around the bend. Paul shares that forward focus with us today in this passage. Paul reminds us that we are to focus on that which is ahead rather than that which is behind. In fact, he, he reminds us to strain towards what is ahead. He presses on towards the goal in order to win the prize which God has called him heavenward in Christ Jesus. You cannot be passive in the Christian life. You need to keep that forward focus so that you will continue to be motivated and persevere and keep growing in Christ. You need to press on towards the goal of God. Paul has reminded us and shared with us in these verses three ways that we all can learn to do that. And we're going to look at these three ways this morning as we spend our time in God's Word. First of all, in verse 12, we're reminded that he reminds us, know where you want to go. You see, I believe that so many people are running a race, but they don't know where the finish line is. They don't know what they're running towards. And it's no wonder they're, 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 they're running here and there and, and everywhere and, and wonder why they can't reach the goal. We need to know what we're running towards. We need to know where we want to go. Paul knew where he wanted to go. He had a goal in mind. In verse 12, he says that, that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. He was simply saying that Jesus came and saved me out of my sin, and therefore I am running the race so that I might be with Him again. That I might go to where He is. Christ had laid hold on Paul, and this no doubt goes back to his conversion as Saul, and probably his, his specific calling as Paul was called to be an apostle. Christ laid a hold on Paul when he was called into the apostleship. <clears throat> Paul wanted to lay hold on that for which Christ had laid hold on him. In other words, Paul was, was recognizing that God had laid a calling upon his life and therefore he wanted to live out that calling the best of his ability. This probably refers to his desire to fulfill his apostolic ministry. Paul had told Timothy to fulfill his ministry. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5, he, he encourages Timothy, don't give up, but fulfill the ministry in which God has placed in your path. Continue in the race. Likewise, here Paul is saying, I want to fulfill my ministry calling. I want to do the best that I can. I want to be the best apostle that I can be. If you're going to press on towards the goal that God has for you, you need to recognize some things about that goal. First of all, we must be honest about where we are in our Christian walk. We need to be honest about where we are in uh, the starting line. You know, in every race, they start them in different positions. You know, some, they're, they're uh, lined this way. Each person has their own position. Each person has a starting point in their life. In the Christian life, it's a little different. We're all so 
You know, for some of us, we grew up, or you grew up in the church, and you had all the foundations necessary for giving your heart to the Lord and starting your race at a particular point. Then there was folks like me who didn't have any kind of background that, that helped me. I came out of a Catholic church which gave me absolutely a zero star. Therefore, I started my Christian race at a different level than, than some folks. But it doesn't really matter where we start. It's being honest with ourselves as to say, I know where I am right now in my race. All too often, we think that we have gained further ground than what we really are. And there we are like the hare and the turtle in that race. We decide that we can go ahead and take a break because we have so surpassed everybody else. We can just kind of enjoy life for a while. Let me just remind you that it's so important for you and I to take an honest inward look at where we are in the Christian world. Notice Paul's honesty. Paul doesn't claim that he has obtained perfection, that he's made it as a Christian. Even though the Apostle Paul had, by this point in his life, had done 99% of his ministry and he had started hundreds of churches and he had won thousands of people to the Lord. But Paul looked at his Christian life and he said, when I compare my life to Christ, I realize that I have not obtained yet, but I need to continue to strive for He realized that he was still on his journey. He had still a long way to go to get to where Christ was. And as he shares that honesty with the Philippian believers, too often we think that, that I'm the only Christian struggling with my Christian life. We look around at all the smiling faces in churches on Sunday morning and we think they've got it all together. Look at all these folks. They, they're here this morning just kind of saying, uh, we're just here to praise the Lord because we've got life figured out. We're, we've got it all. God's just got everything lined up for us. And walks and that person off the street looks around and sees all these smiling faces and says, I can never be honest with them about where I am in my life. I can never be honest with, with what I need. Because they've got it all together. But I want to remind you that none of us have it together. I don't have it together. Is anybody in this room got it together? No, we don't. Any one of us arrived yet? No, we haven't. Any perfect people here this morning? I don't see any. I don't see any plan. Be honest about where you are in your Christian walk. Because not only will it help you to run the race, but it will help others see that they can continue to remain in the race. The second thing that we need to be is we need to strive to reach our goals. I want you to understand that uh, you know in every race the, the finish line is, it is set at a certain point. And if you don't leave the starting block, you're never going to get to the finish line. We need to strive. If, if, if it's a 100-yard dash, you can't do the triple block. You're expected in the race. That's what Paul is saying here in the second half of verse 12. He says, that I may apprehend that for which also I have apprehended of Christ Jesus. God had grabbed hold of Paul because he had a purpose for Paul's life. 
And if you're a Christian, then God grabbed hold of you and drove you out of darkness and darkness darkness light. But let me remind you that God doesn't save anybody to sit on the sidelines. God doesn't save anybody just to say, go sit down and I'll get back to you later. God saves us to put us in the race. So that we can run the race. So that we can strive to, to reach the goal. God has a purpose for your life. Ephesians 2.10 says that, that you were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Which God prepared in advance for you to do. God had a purpose for your life. But in order to fulfill that purpose, you need to grab hold of that which He has grabbed hold of you. You, uh, you can only do that which you spend time with Him in the Word and prayer. Listen, my friends, let me remind you that you'll never grow in your Christian walk if you're only doing your thing. The only way that any of us grow is by spending time in this book and then on our knees before the Lord. The nourishment that we need to grow our spiritual life doesn't come from the things of this world. It comes from God and the Holy Spirit. And unless we spend time with Him, and then we spend time in Him, we will never grow and we will never go where we need to be. So that's the first step in pressing on towards the goal. God has set a purpose and a plan for you. He set a goal just ahead of you. We need to know where we want to go. I don't know about you, but I know where I want to go. I want to go be where Jesus is. I want to go to that place that's called heaven. I want to go to that place where, where God has set a place for us. And I look forward to the place and to the time when my race will be finished and I will step into His glory. I know what my goal is. I just need to continue to run the race be honest about where you are in your Christian walk and strive with all your soul to finish the race. The second truth that Paul gives us here is found in verses 13 and 14. Keep your eyes on the prize. Oh, how important it is. You can't run very well if you're constantly looking backwards. You can't drive forward by looking in your rearview mirrors. How many of you remember uh, uh, cars? Remember Mater? <laughs> Mater loved to go backwards. And, and, and uh, he asked him, how do you do that? He said, well, I got the, everything I need to go backwards. I got these two rear view mirrors. Rear view mirrors do great for backing up, but they do nothing for going forward. My friends, we can't be focusing on that which is behind us. We need to be focusing on that which is before us. If we're going to press on towards the goal, you need to keep your eye on the prize. So how does one do that? Well, there are a few things that I want to share with you that Paul gives to us here. First of all, we need to get rid of all the distractions. We're talking about in, the, in Sunday school this morning, if we're not in the Word, the world is in us. And it is distracting us. There are a lot of things in this life that distract people from doing what they need. We, the writer of Hebrews reminds us that as we're running this race, that we need to get rid of the distractions. Here's what he says. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassionate out so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight 
and every sin that does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. The writer of Hebrews reminds us that, that if we want to be successful in this race, we've got to find that which is, which is distracting us, that which is besetting us, that which is holding us back. And we need to lay it aside so that we can continue to run the race. Paul writes in Philippians 3.13, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended this, but this one thing I do. I don't know about you, but I am sure that Paul had many things going on in his life. And yet he was able to focus all of his energies in one direction. And he simply said, one thing, one thing I do, he got rid of the distractions and kept his focus on Christ. How many of you have ever heard the phrase that I use it often? The ability to be able to do all things but master in them. You see, we oftentimes find ourselves able to do all kinds of but because we've allowed the distractions of so many things, we never master the main thing. You see, the, for the believer, every one of us should strive to be the best of the best of a follower of Christ. Our number one goal should be, when I reach the finish line, I hear, well done, my good. How many things do you do? How many hats do you wear in a typical day? If you're like most of us, you probably have a lot of different things and you get pulled in a lot of different directions every day. It's hard to keep your focus where there are so many things to do. But you can't run a good race when you're distracted by everything in life and you lose sight of the goal. Now, much of what we do in life, listen, much of what we do in life is simply just a distraction. It has absolutely zero eternal value. There are some things that we can get rid of in our life that are not necessary. They're simply distractions that keep us from focusing on We need to do all the things that we do to the glory of God, the Scripture says. So that we have one overriding goal in our life, and that is to keep us on track. In the midst of our busy schedules, we need to be able to say, as the Apostle Paul said, this one thing I do. This one thing I am doing well. I am running so that's the first step in keeping our eyes in place. Is to examine our hearts and our lives and see what it is that's distracting us. What things in our life have absolutely zero eternal value that we could get rid of that would allow us more time to focus on Christ? The second thing the Apostle Paul says is to be careful of the danger of looking back. When you're in a race, the last thing you want to do is to look back. Look at the rest of verse 13 with me. 
He goes on to say, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Now, hopefully she's going to put a, a, there you go, a picture up here. For some of you that are older, you might recognize this. Now, I use that older because you've got to remember back in the 50s. That was before my time. It's like that. Take a look at the picture on the screen. Some of you may recognize this. It is a bronze statue commemorating the race between John Landy and George Bannister during the 1954 British Games in Vancouver. This was the race known as what was called the Miracle Mile because it was the first race in history to feature two runners who had both run the mile in under four minutes. Landy held the world record and he was actually winning this race when he made one critical mistake. He looked back over his shoulder to check Bannister's position. And as he looked over his shoulder on the left, Bannister surged past him on the right, winning the race by simply 0.08 seconds. This statue was sculpted from a photograph taken of that fateful moment. After the sculpture was made, Landy clipped, while Locke's wife turned into a pillar of salt for looking back. I'm probably the only one that ever turned into bronze for looking back. Do you ever look back? Now, there's a couple of reasons that we oftentimes look back. In churches, we're guilty of this. Now, Christians, we're guilty of it as well. But churches are oftentimes guilty of this. We look back to what we call the good old days. Do you remember when the church house was full? Do you remember when the choir was, was full and they sang such wonderful songs? Do you remember back when we would call and do evangelism and everybody would go out in the queue? Do you remember back when we said we needed money and people just poured in the money? You know, it's real easy to continue to look back at all the successes of the church. The problem with that is when we're so busy looking back, we're not looking forward. We're not moving ahead. The problem with looking back is that oftentimes we look at our, 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 our successes and we rest on our laurels. The second reason that we oftentimes look back, and this is where it gets more personal, is oftentimes we look back and we see our faith. As individuals, we look back and we see the times in our lives when we know we do it. And we know that, you know, I want to I step out. I want to start doing for the Lord. But the last time that I did, I blew it. The last time that I said I would do something, I didn't fulfill my promise. And I just don't know that God wants me to step out. And I don't know that God wants me to take a risk. I don't know that God wants me to put myself out there. And I just remind you that oftentimes Satan wants us looking back at our failures so that we won't say, God, I made a fail, but you can use my failure to launch me forward for your glory. You know, Satan oftentimes wants us looking back at our successes so that we won't strive for bigger things. He wants us looking back at our failures so that we won't do anything for God. You see, we need to be careful with the dangers of 
looking backwards. God didn't put the finish line behind us. He put the finish line ahead of us. And the Apostle Paul said, forgetting that which is behind me, I'm striving for that which is before me. Now, as we oftentimes look back at yesterday and choose to, instead of choosing to move forward, the Apostle Paul paints a picture here of one who pursues with two parallel causes. Forgetting those things which are behind you, but while reaching forward under those things which are yet obtainable. If you keep looking backwards, you'll never move forward. As Christians, we need to forget what is behind us and then strain for that which is still ahead of us. The word strain means to exert yourself with utmost force. There is effort involved in the Christian life. You're saved by grace, but that does not mean there is no room for you to do what God has called you to do. Faith is not a decision that you made in the past. It has no effort or effect upon you today. Faith is something that we need to do. We need to work out every day. The third thing that we see is that we need to reach for the goal. You see, not only do we have to be careful not to get focused on what's behind us, we need to be focused on what's before us. We need to reach out for the goal. I tell you, I've watched a lot of races. I, I, I did cross country as a kid. I loved it. It was my favorite kind of running. I didn't like going fast. I wasn't that fast, but I could endure. I was a country boy, and and and. Um, if we wanted to go somewhere in the country to get to somewhere else, guess what? We walked or ran. And I ran a lot of places. As a matter of fact, when my wife that I was dating, who lived on the other side of the river, I would have to run to her house because I didn't have wheels there. But I would run to her house to go see her. At the end of the evening, I can be honest, I walked home. Well, I ran to see her. She asked me today, well, I can hardly get him to crawl over to see me. I'm much, much older. We need to reach for the goal. You know, when, when you see those, uh, those finish line photos, what do you see? You see somebody stoically running across the line like this? No, what you see is you see them stretching out because the, the rule is. Whatever part of your body finishes and crosses the line first wins. And so they, they strive, they reach for as they're getting towards the end. They don't put their hands in their pocket. They pull out and they reach and lunge forward and halts to reach the end. Reach for the goal that wins the prize. We need to reach that goal. And Paul said, I press towards the mark for the prize of the This verse is all about perseverance and the purposeful living in the Christian life. What good is it for you and I to run a great race if we drop out before the finish line? Too many people.
started the race, but are now sitting on the sidelines. Too many people have tucker that instead of striving for the prize. What good is it if we start out well but we don't finish? You need to persevere. How do you do that? It's by recognizing that we have purpose, a prize, to obtain. You keep your eyes on the goal. God has already called you heavenward in Christ Jesus. He's already said, listen, I've saved you out of your sin. I've given you the promise of eternal life. If you'll continue to run the race, when it's finished, you will have made it home. Listen, I, I'm not that far ahead. As a matter of fact, I'm with you. We're all together. Come on, we're going to do this together. 
keep going. So what do we need in order to have this? First of all, we always need to remain teachable. The Apostle Paul reminds us that if we're going to, to take the encouragement of others, if we're going to continue to take the help of others, we need to be teachable. Part of the Christian maturity is knowing that you haven't arrived yet. That there are still plenty of room for us to grow. Paul is effectively saying, I'm maturing, but I'm not quite completely mature yet. I'm growing up, but I'm not fully grown yet. I've been beginning the practice of perfection in the image of Christ, but I'm not perfect yet. How refreshing, especially coming from such an older Christian man. The truth is generally maturing believers don't talk about how they arrived. No. Talk about where. They don't tell other young believers, listen, when you get to my place, you will have a lot. A maturing believer says, listen, the race is never won until we're at the end. Continue to recognize that you're not there yet. But there's more to do. In fact, older Christians have come to the realization that the only person who has ever lived the perfect Life is none other than Jesus Christ. I read Kent Hughes writes, those who are truly maturing refuse themselves even to a satisfied glance back at some spiritual attainment. Or they run the race rather than imagine it already over. Boy, I thought that was good. Instead of thinking the race is already over, continue to see what is Mature believers know that they aren't perfect. They also know they're making progress in their spiritual growth. As John Newton once confessed, I'm not what I should be. I'm not what I want to be. I'm not what I will be. But praise God, I'm not what I used to be. Amen? Boy, I tell you, I, I, that's my life for sure. And then, lastly, refuse to slip into the truth. Verse 16 is one of those verses that if you just read it, you kind of just blow it off. But I want you to look to what Paul is saying here. He finally closes this little exhortation with an a, a encouragement to maintain your progress in your faith. Verse 16 says, Nevertheless, whereto we have already obtained let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. And you read that and you go, okay, really means nothing. But what Paul is saying is, listen, you can't stop now. You can't put it in neutral. Listen, let me remind you of what happens when we put things in neutral. The only thing sadder than not moving forward in the Christian life is rolling back. We're all at that different levels of our Christian growth. But each of us should be at our furthest point alone in our walk with the Lord. Otherwise, we're coasting 
Listen, if you take it out of drive and put it in neutral, you don't just coast to the finish line. You start rolling backwards. And what that says is that many of us find ourselves close to the finish line and then we think we can coast the rest of the way in. But yet instead of going forward, we're going backwards. And we find that we're not reading our Bibles as much as we were. We're not praying as much as we were. We're not coming to church as much as we were. We're not telling others about Jesus as much as we were. We wonder why. Because we're taking it out of here. We try to coach to the finish line only to find out that we're moving backwards instead of forwards. Make sure that you're living up to what you've already obtained, Paul said. What you've already gained, don't give up ground now. For the finish line is just Dare not lose ground in our walk and our race with Christ. So let me close with asking this question. If in the Christian life there's only three reasons you're not in the race today, which one fits you? First, you've never started the race. What I mean by that is that you've never given your heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ. You've never come to fully understand that you are in need as a sinner, you are in need of a Savior, and Jesus is that Savior, and you have come to Him and, and, and repentance and seeking forgiveness, and you've come into faith in Him. Many of us in life find ourselves still there. As a matter of fact, Scripture tells us why is the way that we live Destruction narrows the way and feet that are right following. So when we look around, we realize that there are many in this world who have not started the race yet. The second reason is you stop running the race. Now, why? Has life kicked you in the teeth? Have you? Look back at your successes and thought, yeah, I, I, I'm good enough. Or look at your failures and said, I just keep messing up. Why are you sitting on the sidelines instead of doing this? On God's team, there is no sideline. You're either in or you're out. The third reason is you finish your
His forgiveness is immediate, it's free, and it's indescribable. <clears throat> what we need to do is put our trust and faith in the Savior and give Him grace today. Or maybe you've started the race a long time ago and somewhere along life's journey you just stopped running, you ran out of gas. For whatever reason. Maybe life got too hard, maybe a problem came along, maybe just got hurt. Maybe the church didn't do what it was supposed to do. Whatever the reason. There's an opportunity for you today to go back in grace. It's simply a process of saying, Lord, I confess that I've stopped running the race of life. And I want to recommit my life to you. And I want to give you everything. I want to begin running the race again. Guess what? God says, come on, get on the feet. You can start right now. Those are the only two reasons why we're actually on the sidelines. The third one just doesn't count. You've not finished your race. Get in the race. The Savior is calling you. Wow. 